Welcome to Bob Got a Microphone, the podcast that exists because I, Bob Tarantino, bought a microphone. There are a lot of interesting people out there, and these are some of their stories. In this episode, I'm speaking with Michael Rossi. By any measure, Michael's had a noteworthy career in the corporate world, culminating in more than five years as president of Adidas Canada. In 2021, he did something perhaps even more remarkable. He decided to step off that track and reorient his life around one of his passions, coaching. He founded Voce Leadership, where by guiding people to discover and cultivate their voice, he helped emerging leaders realize their full potential. This is his story. All right, Michael Rossi, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Nice to be here. Well, thanks for coming and joining the fun. Uh, as we were just sort of mentioning before we hit record here, just for context, I think it's probably helpful for listeners to understand. You and I were friends when we were kids, and we haven't spoken to each other in like, I think, literally 30 years. So this will be a nice catch up, hopefully for both of us, certainly for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I wanted to start by making an observation. And, and so obviously this is as an outsider, you know, people make left turns in their careers and in their lives all the time. But when I look at your trajectory, I see somebody who you know, was in their mid forties, president at Adidas Canada. You didn't so much make a left turn as you sort of stopped the car, you got out of the car, you kind of ran across the field that was next to the highway. And then you found a river and jumped in the river, climbed out on the other <laughs> side. How wrong am I? in that characterization and how did you end up at the point where you decided to leave the c-suite uh, and become a coach so let me i would say this i think your analogy your metaphor is is probably accurate to an observer but i think what i discovered as i went through the last 18 months or so is for people who know me really well and have kind of been along for the journey it actually wasn't a total surprise and I say that because although I've been in the corporate world for you know 25 years and uh, and have worked my way up, I think the common threads that really were clear to me and to others, I always loved leadership as much as I loved business. If I really got into you know what did I love about it, it was working with people, it was leading people, helping them grow, helping to inspire them. So there were a lot of these ingredients already there. And then, you know, I, I think probably if I'm honest, a couple of years ago, I was on my 15 year sabbatical. I was uh, on the Amalfi Coast with my wife. And I, I always, maybe not everyone is like this, but for me, those big anniversaries or milestones are always times when I would stop and reflect. And so 15 years with the company, uh, at that point, it was about five years in my role. And I started to think about what could be next. And, and uh, I was fortunate that a number of people had just sort of, it was serendipity. They had started to point me in the direction of coaching unknowingly. I started to dig into it a little bit more and become more curious. I didn't fully realize what a community it was. The fact that it really was a, a profession that could be fulfilling and, and a, a re, realistic next step for me. So when I dug into that, that's when I think everything became possible. And, and I, I guess I jumped out of the car at that point and, uh, and jumped in the river. Amazing. And so, I mean, I find that intriguing. I find the whole notion of sort of personality types intriguing. And so, I mean, in my job as a lawyer, you know, I deal with executives. Um, I also deal with creative executives a lot. And I find that that's a particular sort of subspecies. And again, as an outside observer, when I look at what they do, I sort of think 
I could not do that. Like I wouldn't, me, the way I'm sort of constructed, like I could just not be effective in that role. How do you, I mean, both as a coach and both with respect to executives and to sort of shaping how people sort of live their lives. Do you sort of concur with that? Like, do people have personality types or like, were you sort of a latent coach and a latent executive who needed to be sort of trained and and you needed, somebody needed to kind of bring out those inherent capabilities in you or can you, are people essentially sort of blank slates and and you can kind of mold somebody into either of those roles? I I would say it's a hybrid. I, I think there is definitely, I mean, as a coach, I better believe that people can evolve and grow. Uh, but I do think there's probably some inherent traits and passions that need to be there first. So, you know, leadership as an example, if I were to look back, I think I, I was a, a natural, authentic leader, whether it was sports teams or different organizations or groups I was part of. I had that trait, but I learned to be a better leader over time through coaching, mentorship and, and experience. So I think if you've got kind of the raw ingredients there, they can be shaped, they can be formed. And you learn, if you are open to self-reflection and self-awareness, you learn a lot about yourself and about what fulfills you, what inspires you, what you're good at. And that's when I think you can do sort of the shaping and the polishing once uh, once you understand that about yourself. So in your journey, was president part of your trajectory from the beginning? So like you went to Western, went to the business school at Western. When you graduate from Western, are you, do you have your kind of eye on the prize? Like you're like, I'm going to be you know in the C-suite one day, or does that sort of get cultivated over time? Someone might not believe this, but I would I would honestly tell you, I didn't specifically set out to be the president of a large company. That wasn't my goal. I think one of my goals coming out of Western was I loved sports and I loved business. And so if I could build a career that combined the two of them, you know, I graduated unemployed. I was the valedictorian of the business school and didn't have a job. And most of my peers had long since signed up for great roles with great organizations. But I held out because I wanted to try and land something in sports. And I started at the NHL. I was the assistant to a vice president. I was, you know, booking travel and managing schedules and submitting expenses. But that to me was my foot in the door to get into the the industry. So I, I think as I evolved and I was fortunate, we were uh, we were acquired multiple times uh, at the beginning of my time with Adidas. And each of those gave me an opportunity to continue to grow, kept me challenged. It's rare these days that someone in our generation or certainly younger would stay somewhere for 15 plus years. That That is a rarity. But every opportunity where there was an acquisition or a reorganization gave me something new to do. But I never necessarily sought the president's role. And so when, even when it opened up, my predecessor left and there was an open process to, uh, to find the next president. And I was a dark horse and uh, it, I didn't think I could do it. I think many in the organization were doubtful. And I, I emerged victorious, I guess, in the process. So, you know, to me, what I found was what I really loved about it wasn't the title. It was the ability to have that platform to influence and, and inspire people. And, you know, that's one of the things about leadership. The bigger roles come with more stress, but they come with the ability to impact more people, inspire more people. And that was something that I really found rewarding. Right. And so just on that point about your passion for sports, I mean, is that, has that been tempered over the years? Like, do you still, are you still a fan? Like, are you still able to engage with sports in the same way that you did you know, before you started your career? Or has that sort of changed over time as a result of getting a bit of a behind the scenes look at it? 
I still love sports. So I, I still, you know, my wife will tell you if I get a hold of the remote, you know, the Jays game on the, Le- the Leafs game is on. Uh, that's still the case. And I still love as a fan watching. I think maybe what's evolved is, you know, sports is a business. Every, every corporate role is a business. You know, there's a consumer, there's a revenue model. And I think that's what I, that's what I learned. It doesn't mean I don't love the business of sports and I, I enjoyed being in it. But I think I just realized, you know, every every business is trying to make their way. They're trying to connect with consumers. They're trying to create a better value proposition for their consumers versus their competition. And sports was no different. And so I think that just opened my eyes. A lot of the things I learned in sports, I could apply to other industries. And I found the parallels quite interesting. I always loved, though, that, you know, I would go home and watch my product, so to speak, at night in my free time voluntarily as well. So you talked about leadership and sort of the opportunities that the the platform of of being president afforded you. Obviously, at some point, you decided that you wanted to be a coach because that was sort of its own opportunity that seemed like it was going to be fulfilling. Was there something that was missing when you were president? Was that, was there something that you were sitting there saying, oh, like, I wish I could do this, but I'm, you know, I'm constrained by my role or I'm constrained by the, you know, the job title or, or, or by the, the responsibilities that you had? I don't know that it was that something was missing, but I guess maybe it was the proportion. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a president or someone who's leading an organization, you know, there's finance, there's supply chain, there's logistics, there's legal, there's HR, there's sales, there's marketing, you have it all. And I certainly, if I just reflected on where my energy spiked and maybe where it fizzled, and it's all important, but I didn't love the process side. I didn't love the logistics and supply chain side. I certainly understood the value and the importance of it. But in terms of what I wanted to wake up and do, I love the people side. I loved when I could have one-on-one conversations, not just with my own team, but throughout the organization. I loved when I would have coffee chats with our new employees and, you know, I'd have 10 people in a room who this was one of their first impressions of the company and I got to connect with them. And I think connection's probably the one thing that I would say I realized I love, whether it's in groups, speaking to larger groups or, or one-to-one, that's where I started to realize the power of coaching. You know, coaching is it's a really powerful connection where, you know, two people trust each other and the connection is pretty intense and the outcomes are pretty amazing. And so as I started to experience that and realize not only do I love it, but I could be good at it and I could help people with it. It was like, okay, I I want more of this now. I want to fill my whole day with this, not just a couple of hours in amidst the other responsibilities. Amazing. So we'll, we'll talk about your sort of journey to, to coaching in a second, but I just want to pick up on one thing that you mentioned there. So you describe as president, as the executive at, at a large sort of corporate entity, you're kind of in the middle of this infrastructure, right? Like there are a lot of, obviously you have an enormous team, there are a lot of direct reports and then below them, there's other people who, who work for the company itself. And, and there are, you know, the, the third parties that you're contracting with who provide services to you. You switched from that to starting your own company. What was that like, like going from you're in the middle of the board kind of thing, and then all of a sudden, like you're just Michael Ross? It's been amazing, actually. And I planned it in such a way that, you know, I finished, I was still working through some transitional details from April to June, but essentially I was done as of April this year. And I planned to leave myself this period, this summertime to adjust because I knew, I didn't know how I would feel, but I knew I'd probably go through a range of emotions and I wanted to have the time to just get through it. 
And, you know, it's, it's been really enlightening to go through the process. I think part of it, it's strange because we're still, my, my uh, former colleagues are still not fully back in the office. So I feel in some ways I haven't really missed the restart yet, if that makes sense, until everyone is back in the office. That feels like it would almost be like back to school and you're not in the class for the first time. But I think what I've learned is, you know, listen, my schedule was incredibly demanding, like many executives, you know, the the back to back to back calls, early starts and late ends to the day. I've realized that it is a real, it's a beautiful thing to have control of your day and have control of your schedule. And, you know, I've started doing yoga in the morning and that's not something I could have done it before, but like to have the flexibility to go to a class now and not be on a call first thing in the morning. I'm really enjoying discovering all of that newfound flexibility, but it it's different. I mean, when you're part of a corporate organization, you're part of a team. I'm a, I'm a one-man show now. This company is, is me. And so I would be lying if I said, I don't miss the team interaction. I loved that camaraderie. And I'm actually starting to join different sort of coaching organizations that give me a little bit of that back where I can have a group of colleagues I can connect with, because I think that's important. And I'm a, I'm a social person. I know I'll, I'll want that and I'll seek opportunities to bring that back into my working day somehow in the future. Fantastic. And so we'll talk, let's talk about kind of how coaching enters, enters your life, but let me get the sort of obvious question out of the way. First, you made this transition, you know, in 2021, what role did the COVID pandemic play in that? Like, was that just a coincidence or did that inform the the decision ultimately? Uh, It was a coincidence, but it actually reinforced the decision for me. And I say that because I started the certification process to become a coach is 18 months long. And so I started this back at the end of 2019 and I went through a series of courses and, you know, you slowly, each step you start to think, okay, could I do this? Could this become a profession? Could this become my next career step? I wasn't sure of that at the beginning. Ironically, when I started the certification process at the beginning of 2020, it involved weekly calls that, and you couldn't miss these calls. Like it was mandatory. If you missed, I think more than one, you'd be bounced out of the certification program. My biggest fear at the time was that my work travel would be such that I would probably have to miss a few. Well, it turns out that wasn't the problem. COVID was the bigger problem. But ironically, COVID taught me that I could work from anywhere in coaching. It showed me that I could be effective as a coach up at the cottage, up you know, at, at my home in the city, uh, virtually. In fact, many of my clients over the last year I've never met in person. I've only met, you know, virtually. And so I think COVID didn't make me jump ship. I know a lot of people are going through transitions right now because of COVID and what it's made them reflect on. I would say COVID for me showed me that this was a lifestyle and a way of working that I was looking forward to. And it also showed me that, you know, this virtual connection, this way of working with people around the world, I was working with people, you know, in Europe, seven in the morning, I was on calls with them. And it was fantastic. So COVID reinforced the decision for me, but it, it didn't sort of push me to make the decision in the first place. And so was there a particular incident, like had you been coached? Was that what sort of set you on this road? Or how did you how did you first interface with the world of coaching and being coached? It's ironic. I So I've never had a coach myself until okay. the certification process. We had hired coaches for some of our top talents. So I had I had been exposed to them, but it's almost like the tip of the iceberg. And then 
that's where I say it was serendipity. As I started to speak to different people in my network, you know, I was getting a little restless. I was trying to figure out what was next and I was reflecting on what I loved and people were playing back to me. Like you're very good at facilitating discussion. Your focus on people and on helping them grow is, is apparent. So I started kind of un unraveling that a little bit. And uh, a number of people started pointing me towards structured coaching programs at Adidas at the time, we actually had an internal coaching program that I started to participate in. And so I, the more I the more I asked and the more curious I got, the more I learned and the more excited I got. And so that was that's kind of how I got myself exposed to coaching and then did some in-classroom programs. And like that was that put me over the edge because I was in a room with 30 people, total different walks of life, different stages of career but everyone was experiencing the power of what coaching could mean. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked. I was hooked at that point. Amazing. And so there's, as, as look, I'm completely untutored in this. So as, as I understand it, there are different coaching styles or, or schools of, of coaching. And so, so which one do you employ and, and, and why did you ultimately make the, the decision to, to use that? So I chose, uh, and you're right, there are a number of programs out there. Uh, and in fact, I think a good coach never stops learning. There's always new methodologies and tools to pick up and, and try. I chose uh, CTI, which is the Coactive Training Institute. What I liked about it, you know, I'm, I'm a, a lifelong corporate executive. And so I, I knew that I was likely going to be working with executives based on my own experience. But what I love about CTI is it's not narrowly focused on just an executive and just a career conversation. It's really about you as a whole person. And I, I fundamentally believe that even, you know, the most uh, accomplished corporate leader is a person outside of the office. They have family concerns, they have friends, they have interests and passions, they have fears. And it's not solely linked to being in, in the C-suite. It is, you know, like a human being. And so that's what I loved about CTI is it really gives you the, the scope and the breadth to be able to have that conversation with someone where, you know, one day a client may want to talk about a career change, but the next session, they might they might want to talk about a difficulty they're having in a personal relationship. And the model is so fluid that it, it can work in any of those scenarios. And that to me was, it just really connected with something in me that felt important. So how do you know when you're first speaking with a prospective client, I mean, how do you know whether you guys are going to be a good match or, or whether they're even ready for coaching? It's a great question. And um, I'm learning because I've, I've been going through this prospecting process over the summer. I think, you know, there's there's a standard questionnaire. I've put some questions together and I think understanding what people's understanding of coaching is as a start. What do they know about it? Have they had a coach before? Was it a good experience or not? What's bringing you to coaching now? You know, what is important about this? What would you like to see as an outcome? Those are all questions that they start to scratch the surface. I, I read something years ago that Google used to employ when they were looking to hire someone. What they said was they didn't necessarily care about what programming language you knew today because programming languages replace themselves so quickly and, and you know, a developer, that's not really a predictor of success is what they know today. What they would ask is, what are you learning? Like, what are you teaching yourself? What new skills are you teaching yourself? That's a better predictor of success at Google because things change so quickly. And so to me, trying to understand from a client, do they have that aptitude for self-awareness and personal growth? Doesn't mean they have to have done coaching before, but if they love to read or if they've joined different organizations or if they're working on different things about themselves, 
that's generally a good sign that they're going to be a, an exciting client to work with and we're going to get some. And so what kinds of questions, somebody who's looking for a coach, what kinds of questions should that person be asking of a prospective coach? I mean, there's the basics, I think, understanding the frequency and the format. Many coaches have evolved and coaching can be done by phone or uh, virtually highly effectively. But if it's important for you to meet in person, you want to know those types of details. You do want to know a little bit about what has this coach been trained in? Are they certified? There are a lot of coaches out there who have different sets of beliefs. So really understanding, is there a fit philosophically? What does the coach believe in? And, you know, some people really want to know, I've had this feedback, some people executive wise want to know that the coach has also been in an executive chair. I don't think that's essential, but I do think there's a certain amount of genuine empathy that comes from having been through those experiences that may be helpful to a client. And so, yeah, I think it's knowing what you want to get out of the relationship as the client and then feeling your way with the coach to understand if you, do you click? Do you have a good feeling about it? Doesn't mean you have to necessarily like them. Like liking them is not the defining characteristic of success, but do you think they can help you? Do you think they can challenge you and move you along? That's the question that I would ask if I were the client. How do you navigate? Because I know, so as a lawyer, I think one of the sort of lines that we have to police a lot, or at least be sensitive to is the difference between a lawyer-client relationship and becoming somebody's friend. Is, is that something you need to be sensitive to as a coach as well? Like, do you, can you inadvertently or, or intentionally cross a line and then that leads to problems down the road? Yeah. And, and we're bound by the International Coaching Federation's Code of Ethics. And I would say you can coach a friend. You do need to have clear boundaries though. And just, you know, imagine a coaching call where you're charging the client and the first 40 minutes are catching up on what you did over the weekend. That's not effective coaching. Right. Um, you know, I would say this, like I, I genuinely care about my clients. I root for them. I want them to have success. I want them to find what it is that they're looking for. And so I love the conversations and I do see them as, I guess, friends to a degree, but the coaching relationship comes first and the ethics have to come first. I have coached people that I have friendships with outside of that relationship, but drawing the boundary, we call it designing the alliance, like saying, hey, maybe the first five minutes, it's fair game to, to chat about friend stuff, but then we're going to draw a line and get into the session and you have to respect that on both sides or else it, it just won't be effective. So it's a good question because it it tends to get blurry if you if you do care about your clients and want the best for them. Right. And as a coach, so forgive my ignorance in this, but to an outsider, it seems to me that one of the foundational commitments that a coach makes is somewhat to sublimate themselves, right? Like the coach is no longer the focus. And here I'm thinking both, you know, executive coaching and even coaching in sports, the coach really isn't the focus of the relationship. The coach is really there to facilitate the success of the team or, or the person being coached. You were an executive. I mean, you spent 25 plus years, you know, on that track where, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that leveraging your own success was an important sort of day-to-day -day undertaking. Now that's switched. You're sort of behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Is that, has that been a transition that was, that was difficult to accommodate or, or how did that work? 120%. So it was probably the thing I noticed immediately. If I go back over a year to the first in-classroom training session I went to, because what I realized really quickly, 25 years as an executive, you are 
you are measured and rewarded on your ability to make decisions, to solve problems, and to move quickly. And so I went into coaching into that into that classroom like with that mindset of, hey, oh, you have a problem. Let me solve it. Have you thought of this? And it's totally the opposite. As a coach, you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly. As a coach, you're not there to solve. The client has the capabilities inherent within them to solve whatever it is they're looking at. You can help guide them. But it was like painfully difficult for me to adjust to that at first because I, I realized, oh, I, I've been hardwired here. And I need to undo this as a coach. One of the things I will offer, and, and sometimes clients will look for this, like coaching is a spectrum. And even mentorship versus coaching, they're, they're different things. So I will say to a client, like if they're going through, I don't know, a reorg at work that they're leading, I will say to them, I've dealt with that. And if you would like to sort of take the coaching hat off for a moment, I can share my experience there with you. But I draw, I draw the line that, that that's not coaching. Like that's almost more mentorship and it's sharing an experience. And if that's valuable, I'm happy to do it. But then I do want to get back to coaching, which is, okay, you know, what is holding you back from leading through this the way you would like? So there's value to experience, but you're right. It's not about the coach and, and a coach who wants to just share their experience for 45 minutes of the session, they're not doing it right. Then they're just a storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> and so look, I'm not asking you to predict the future here, but, and, and obviously this is the change in trajectory here is obviously relatively fresh still, but do you ever see yourself going back to the corporate world or in, in that role, like as an executive, or is it, have you left that behind and now you're on this path, which may be coaching, it may be something else, but, but it, there's sort of you, you're going to be able to, when you look back, kind of divide your, your story into there was the chapter as an executive, and then there's everything that came after that. Yeah. It's, here's the thing. I, it's one of the things I love about life is that, you know, so many things are possible. So I wouldn't say I would never go back to a, a leadership role. I think what I would say though, is I, I think the product would need to be leadership. And so if there was an opportunity to lead an organization of coaches or of leadership curriculum or something like that, something that really aligns with this passion that I've tapped into, or perhaps I build my company into something that is that sort of holding company for all of these different initiatives. That intrigues me. But I think, you know, going back to running a business with all of those functional areas, I don't see that as, as something that I aspire to again in the future. Fair enough. And, and so just last question, I mean, on that, you'd identify that moment of restlessness um, or sort of a period of restlessness, which, which ultimately led you to becoming a coach. Was there an inciting incident for that? Or, or is that just sort of like, do we all just sort of experience that as we get older and, and kind of it's, you know, the proverbial midlife crisis? Or how does that, is everybody going to experience that restlessness? Or is that just a challenge that you had to face yourself? I would say if you, I mean, it depends if you're self-aware, I, I don't think it was age related for me, like, or stage of life necessarily, you know, the nature of our business at Adidas and in sporting goods was it was a seasonal selling business. And so you would have, you know, largely two collections a year, you'd have the spring summer line and the fall winter line. And so it, it was there was a cadence, there was a rhythm to the business. And, you know, we'd go to Germany and see the new line. There was kind of a process. When you start repeating that, you know, year two, year three, there's a period where you keep getting better at it. And you're, you're excited for the next go around because you can enhance it and improve it and innovate. And then for me, it just got to the point where I started to think about, okay, like how many more of these cycles do I want to go through? 
And how exciting is it to me each time? And I think if the learning curve starts to flatten, and if the passion curve starts to flatten, and you're tapped into yourself to realize that, to realize you're feeling maybe a little bit less inspired each time, I think anyone could experience that at any age. I think that's what spurs growth and self-development is when you realize that is how you're feeling. And so I don't, I don't know that it's tied to a midlife crisis, but I think, I hope people have the self-awareness to say, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't forever for me. And maybe there is something that fulfills me more. And maybe I'm going to go think about that a little bit. Right. The importance of self-awareness. That's a good, that's a good place probably to end for the moment. Uh, so look, thanks so much for, for doing this. Where can people find you? So the website is Voce Leadership, V-O-C-E, and that comes from a belief that everyone has a voice and that I help them discover theirs. So voceleadership.com is the website. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. It's Michael Rossi. I'm happy to uh, always enjoy connecting with people who have uh, passions and a vision for their future, and always happy to help if I'm able to. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, liking it, sharing it with your friends, or inflicting it on your enemies. If you're still listening, you're probably the only one who's doing so. The secret number is 42. To claim your no prize, send an email with the secret number in the subject line to bob at bob got a microphone. Dot com.